Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. The Golden State Warriors tonight, 6 p.m. for pre-game. Eric will have tip-off at 6.30. You can see the game on TNT. No ballys tonight. Eric, I've told everyone just to... Maybe shut off some national commentary. I told everybody to sync up their TVs and either turn on their their radio to 92.9 or get the Odyssey app and listen to you. Isn't there like an app for that now I've been hearing on TV yeah, or radio or something? I've been, so. yeah, it's it's like sync up or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of cool. I know my father was, uh, when he was alive, when all these gizmos and gadgets first came out, we had uh, audio league pass and it was on the computer. Yeah. So he would pause the direct TV feed and link up the computer. And I mean, the man went to MIT to get his, finish his undergrad and get his doctorate in nuclear engineering. So as you can see, A, the apple fell very far from that tree and B, uh, he was very smart. So, um, so hopefully it's uh, something that's easier now because he said even he said it was kind of tough and I've heard that before but I appreciate that and yeah the national rhetoric the rhetoric in San Francisco take your pick everybody's kind of coming out of the woodwork to pile on and those things will happen um, it's unfortunate but you know look you gotta you got 18 games left to play and you got to make sure that you're uh, that you're focused on the task at hand tonight because these guys are really good and. Uh, even though they're not very good on the road, they're now favored tonight and not good news about Steven Adams and certainly hasn't been good news about uh, the other stuff off the court as well. And it doesn't help that you got a little war of words between two really good defensive players, and, and that's kind of taken center spotlight too. I kind of want to ask you about that. You're the one that has always pointed out to me, man, the season's a grind. Like there's ebbs and flows, there's highs and lows. Does this not feel like, though, at least, maybe not for the season, but at least in terms of the John Morant version of the Grizzlies, this feels like kind of an important moment in time where they kind of got to decide where they want to be, what they want to be? Yeah, I, I think so. I think, uh, you know, the one thing that, that has been remarkable during this stretch for this team has been the very minute amount of real adversity. I mean, yes, they missed Ja during the, we thought there was that non-contact injury a couple of years ago yeah. against the Atlanta Hawks. And we all went, Oh, that's not good. Uh, came back earlier and then people expected they played really well without him. They kind of shut him down last year to make sure he was right. And, you know, all we heard in the press conferences when the Grizzlies went to Golden State when Ja wasn't playing is the record. They were just they would just yell the record out without him. 
jaw would yell at everybody. And, and you know, look, they're brash. They're young. They're brash. Um, it's gone from kind of this exuberance of propping each other up to a little bit more on the trash talk side. I mean, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Basketball is an emotional game. You see guys talk trash every night. Um, but the problem becomes when the trash talk takes more of the center stage than the actions on the court. And, you know, people have said, hey, you can talk when you win something. I've, I've heard that rhetoric for 22 years. They said that to Golden State. When Golden State was fighting their way up and, you know, they wanted they wanted respect and they hadn't won a championship yet and they're out there and you got, you know, Curry's doing the shimmy and the shake and people are like, hey, shimmy and shake when you win something. Well, then they won something. Now people that are fans of their team are when teams like the Grizzlies that are up and coming and want to kind of grab a piece of that brass ring, so to speak, they, they tell them, oh, you, you can talk when you win something. This is a rhetoric that will continue until long after we're gone. So, yes, this is a test of who are you going to be. Because without Steven Adams, they've really struggled on both ends of the floor. They've struggled without his pick-and-roll defense. They've struggled without his rebounding presence. They've struggled without his uh, his mammoth-sized screens to free guys up. It gives everybody a lot of freedom in different ways on both ends of the floor, whether it's Jaron, Tyus, Jaw when he's playing, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks. Everybody gets a, a little benefit from Steven Adams being out there. And now that's not going to be the case. And so you have two choices. You can sit in the corner and feel sorry for yourself. And, you know, uh, that's not the way professional athletes behave, but I'm sure people would say, well, it's understandable. You've gone through a lot in the last, you know, seven days. You lost one of your top-tier bench players to a season-ending injury and one that you really wonder how it's going to affect him moving forward completely. And then on top of that, you've had the other incident where your superstar is no longer with the team, and then you've had now your – your center, who is you, you know, kind of the glue factor, the the X factor, the unsung hero, whatever you want to call him, uh, who everybody thought might be getting close to return now, told no, he's not coming back, probably at all. He'll be reevaluated in four weeks, and if you do your math, four weeks from today puts you on the road with two games remaining on the schedule. So, if I were going to wager a, a guess or lobby a guess, I'd say it's highly unlikely that four weeks from today, if they reevaluate him on a Thursday in April, that last Thursday of, or the first Thursday of April, whether that's the 7th or 8th, that he's going to be available. And, you know, if that's the case, then you got to figure out, is he going to be available a week later when the postseason begins, if, if you're not in the play-in tournament, which I don't think they will be, but stranger things have happened. So, yeah, decide who you are. These guys, I, again, we've seen teams come in against the Grizzlies with – out star players available and play really good basketball. And as we've said, and you and I have discussed, you didn't get the Jersey on the sale rack at Walmart. You you got it earning it in training camp and playing basketball all of your life. So it's not like these guys are a stranger to it. They've just got to get some guys to step up. Uh, And they need some of the the guys that haven't seen a ton of time, you know, in recent, when, when the team got fully healthy for a moment, some of the guys that haven't seen a ton of time need to go back to, to producing the way they were before they were back into their secondary roles. Because I've kind of been thinking about this, because I think at times he's shown flashes, but doesn't this feel like if the Grizzlies are going to find a little bit of stability, particularly without Ja, doesn't Jaron really need to continue what he's, I feel like, what he's built on this year? A thousand percent. He's now got to be your guy. He's got to be aggressive like he was. I thought he was. I thought he did fine in L.A. I thought he yeah. 
I agree. Uh, in both games, he squared up. He was he was aggressive going to the basket. I mean, it's a tough task when you're playing the Lakers of going at Anthony Davis. I mean, Anthony Davis began making his bones in, in at Kentucky as you know a shot blocker extraordinaire that was a good rebounder and good scorer as well. But there, you remember all the talk when he was coming out about how remarkable his timing was on the defensive end of the floor, not only moving his feet, but blocking shots. And obviously he's developed into a bona fide superstar, future hall of fame type player um, when he's healthy and he's healthy and you're, you're having to battle him on one end of the floor defensively and help Xavier Tillman. And even if you're not guarding him one-on-one, you're there to help and try to do that. But then you got to attack in there and he's there. I thought he's been, I've seen a more aggressive Jaron all season long, the most aggressive Jaron we've seen throughout his career. So Yes, he's got to be willing to square up, attack the lane, not settle for threes, use the three as a weapon when you have it to, you know, loosen up the defense. He's been good from the foul line, not phenomenal, but good, around 80%. And his threes, when he's got them in rhythm and not tried to, you know, maybe force the issue if you're falling behind a little bit, they've been solid. I mean, they're 35 to 37% when he's taking good looks in the rhythm of the offense. And that's, that's the thing is they've got to make sure they stay in that rhythm of the offense. They can't keep running out of gas. They can't keep having these fourth quarter woes and you can't keep having four and five and six minute stretches where because the other team is making a run guys, maybe try to do it a little too much on their own. You get away from the, the offensive principles, which, which can lead you to getting away from the defensive principles and make a mistake here or there. And when you're making mistakes and you're already on the wrong side of the run, whether they're big mistakes or little mistakes, they're magnified because now you feel like no matter what we try, it's not working. And, you know, these guys are human too. They're young. Like I said, probably the first real taste of true adversity that they've had during this Taylor Jenkins era and during the John Morant era. And, you know, Jaron obviously went through a little bit of adversity the year before, but Desmond Bain wasn't there. Dylan Brooks was, but most of the guys were not in terms of this group. Yeah, Tyus Jones didn't have a, a remarkable run through the playoffs when he was a Minnesota Timberwolf, but since these guys have been together, they've they've found a lot of success, and now you're getting tested. So, yeah, get it, get it to your guys that you know can get you there. They need Desmond to, to step up. Uh, there's not many games where he's going to have the, the shooting woes he had in the game against the Lakers. I thought, uh, aside from a couple where he was just trying to get going, they were all good looks. And, I mean, I, remarkably, like two or three of them left his hands, and I'm like, okay, that's the one that will get it going. That looks great. And it rattles in and out. And I think on the broadcast, I even said, it's just one of those square peg round hole nights for him. You know, you just have him as a shooter sometimes. The ball just says, uh-uh, not tonight for you. Sorry, i got to keep you humble somehow. And that's, that's going to happen. So you just hope you don't have too many of those during this next 18-game stretch. And we'll see what happens, you know, with, with whether John, when John Morant returns. Uh, and and then how you go from there. But the, the Adams loss is, is huge, and so it puts a lot of pressure on Jaron to, to keep on this upward tick, no doubt. What does it mean big picture for the front court? I mean, obviously we've already seen Xavier's minutes extremely tick up in his absence. Mm-hmm. I mean, now it's not just losing Steven Adams. It's Brandon Clark also. I mean, where do they go in the front court at this point? Well, I mean, you've seen Xavier Tillman really play well. I mean, he's got a couple of double-doubles in recent games and um, has guarded, I think, some of the toughest bigs. During this stretch, I mean, just look at really since the All-Star break. He's had Anthony Davis twice. He's had Joel Embiid. He's had Nikola Jokic. 
the Clippers don't pose that monster big man threat, nor do the Houston Rockets. And um, that's a little bit of a, an easier way to go. But he's faced some of the best. And when you face some of the best and you find some success, that's great. You know, they, 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 he's faced Jokic twice and Davis twice, and he still, I thought, played well. I mean, he, he, it's, it's a tough task when you're not starting all year long to, to step in and just play really good basketball when you're not in a, a great groove at this point of the season, and that's the type of player he's been since he's been with the Grizzlies, a true pro has accepted the role. So his numbers, obviously, in minutes go up. Jaron's minutes have to tick up a little bit. Santi's minutes tick up. And you need someone to eat up some of those remaining minutes, whether that's David Roddy, whether that's Jake LaRavia potentially getting some more minutes, whatever it may be, you're, you're down to really three guys that have played significant minutes in those positions. Roddy's been more of a wing, but he's got that big body, and you may have to have him you know, play a little undersized big man role for the next couple of weeks. And, and you know, look, that's part of it. But no team goes through a, a season unscathed. And, you know, we, we've we seen our fair share of injuries here in Memphis. There's no doubt about that. You, you dealt with the Desmond Bain situation. And as that happened, you were thinking, all right, finally, Jaron's ready. You can get your full complement of players. This team's playing well without Jaron. Let's see what they do with Jaron. If he's really ready, truly ready to go, like they say, this could be really special. It looked really special. And then all of a sudden – you know, one loss in LA and then an injury to Steven Adams and things start spinning the wrong way. And they've, they've got to find a way to deal with it. That's, it's, you know, professional basketball. It's not for the faint of heart. And, you know, people used to joke around when people would complain about scheduling and and injuries and things like that. And said the NBA stands for no babies allowed, you know, you're not allowed to sit and feel sorry for yourself and whine about what, what the situation is. You gotta, you gotta lace them up and go out and play and show those guys are, are like that. That's the that's the mentality of this group, and it starts in the coach's office as well. And you know, look, it's it's certainly easy to be frustrated when you watch them go one and eleven in their last twelve road games and see a team that I, I, I'll be honest with you, I had a lot of people walking up to me going, "Wow, you guys could really win it all this year." And I was like, "Yay, whoa, you know, hey, we we're hitting the midway point of the season. There's a lot of things left. Let's let's temper this with a little, you know, caution. Yes, the optimism is there." They can be very, very good. They can be elite, and they've just got to clean a couple things up. And they knew that, and now you've, you've had a little bit of adversity on top of injuries and um, the things that needed to be cleaned up haven't been quite cleaned up, and now you're tied for second. And it's not like they're tied for second to last. You know, I hear a lot yeah. of woe is me and a lot of fans going, oh, this, this is just done, it's over, forget about it. They're still tied for second. You know, who knows? You know, they, they play really well on the home floor. Ten of their next 18 are on the home floor. Um, they've got some winnable games in there. They've got some tough games in there. Tonight's a tough game. I mean, I know what the Warriors' road record is. I also know that in that Warriors' locker room, they are talking to a man about trying to keep this team down and trying to continue to show them that they are not ready yet. That is the, that is the mentality when you have battles with certain teams. I don't like calling them rivalries because, to me, I think of rivalries – and I think college, I think Ole Miss, Mississippi State, I think, you know, Iron Bowl, I think Duke, North Carolina, games that have been going on for 50, 60, 70 years, right? Yeah. Rivalries History, in yeah. the NBA, there's really one There's really one main rivalry in the NBA, and I think we all know it's Lakers-Celtics. Then there's some subsidiary ones, Boston, Philly, Chicago, and, and, and you know, 
Detroit when they were going through it. But because there's the, the nature of pro sports changes over so much, it's hard to maintain rivalries. I mean, for a while in the NFL, the biggest rivalry was Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Indianapolis, New England. If those two teams played on a Sunday and it was the afternoon game, would it be the top billing unless they had great records? No, nobody would care. It's not the, it's not the rivalry. Now, you talk Chicago, Green Bay for those fans, or Dallas and Washington, Dallas and anybody in the East for that matter because everybody loves to, to hate the Cowboys. That's different because those have been going on for years. But when the players change, if, if you know one of those two teams or both of those two teams are having bad years, the only people that care are the diehard fans. So nationally, where we talk about rivalries, I just don't, I don't buy into that. This is a great matchup right now. This is a, a fun thing to be a part of, but it's also garnering some attention, in my opinion, for some of the wrong reasons. And the advents of podcasts and social media allow guys to chirp back and forth at each other where everyone can hear, and now you have a lot more open communication where fans can get involved too. Is that good for the game? That, I'll let people decide that for themselves. Some of it I think is great for it. Some of it, I think, takes away from the game itself. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.